Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Saturday morning. It is another overcast, dreary, rainy, cool morning at that here across South Central Kansas. And it's so wonderful to have you with us here along for the ride to kick off your weekend. It is Kansas Talk. I am Andy Hoosier, Wichita's big talker, KQAM, 1480 on the AM dial. 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial, plus our friends out in Garden City on KIUL, covering the entire southern half of the state of Kansas. Welcome aboard. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to jump on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, we have a lot to talk about today for show uh, going on across the state of Kansas and the Mid-America region. Today is a big day. Today we have the Republican State Convention up in Overland Park. We will discuss that here momentarily. We had the state legislative session. That was another rocking week for sure. We passed a bill earlier this week. Governor Kelly already vetoes it as of yesterday afternoon. What does that mean for us? And do we have enough uh, veto veto numbers to override that moving forward? So we have that conversation. Bottom of this hour, we have State Representative Patrick Penn. He'll be joining us via telephone as he talks about some of the bills he's been working on along with this veto from the Kansas Governor Kelly. We have Dan Hawkins, Speaker of the House, coming up in hour number two. He'll also be talking about that veto override and what we get to look forward to moving forward. And to wrap up the show at uh, 1030 next hour, we have Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner. But a little bit since we have him in studio as well. Uh, so we need to get him on and talk about some county issues going on in the community. So lots to get to, lots to talk about. And it's always open lines to you at 316-721-8255 as well to discuss all of these issues and more. You know what would be really nice, honestly, right now would be to have a Republican governor in the state of Kansas. I'm just throwing that out there. That would be really nice to have a, a Republican governor right now because we could get so much more done right now. We wouldn't have to fight constantly scraping just to be able to get something minuscule done. The governor comes out and says during her state of the state address, I want to have a tax cut bill in the state. Now, obviously, as a Democrat, that's a little bit foreign for us to hear because most Democrats don't like tax cuts. They like tax increases that we need to fund the government. You need to pay your fair share. Evil rich people need to pay their own, uh, pay for their own and, and take care of everybody else because they're evil and rich and how dare they be successful. I mean, that's really the mindset that they have. So we're used to that kind of rhetoric. So when she comes out during the state of the state address and says that she wants to have a tax cut bill, our ears perk up and we get just a little bit excited. Hey, maybe we could do this. Hey, all right, maybe we can make this happen. So we pass a tax cut bill and then she vetoes it. And she's like, no, 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 I want tax cuts, but I don't want that many tax cuts. We'll go over the statement for both Dan Hawkins and Ty Masterson, the Senate president, in hour number two and read some of those on where we go from here for that one. But it would also be nice to have a Republican governor, not only to worry about tax cuts and trying to figure out how to override a veto every time that we pass an important piece of legislation. But as you know, going on at the southern border right now in the state of Texas they continue to put up the uh, the wired fence and telling the government pretty much to go pound sand. 
essentially. We're going to continue to put up this fence. You're not allowed to take it down. And we're going to continue to fight. The governor, Greg Abbott, has activated the National Guard. And now it's the standoff between the states and the federal government on this issue at the southern border. What I mean with tying into the state of Kansas is that there are 25 states right now, up to 25 states. I think in the last day or so it was 22. It's increased now even more. Where 25 states across the nation have uh, uh, openly signed agreements to support Texas in their movement. And if they're supporting this movement, then why aren't we here in Kansas? We're a relatively conservative state. We have Republicans across the board on all of our, uh, really our legislature and uh, all of our elected officials except for our Democrat governor who has not signed on. So hopefully we can make some type of resolution. And I think they are working on something in Topeka for that as well. But we need to stand strong with Texas as well because I'm telling you, man, I told you, hold on, buckle up and strap in. 2024 is going to be a wild ride, and it's already starting off that way with the battle, the ongoing battle between the states and the federal government and what the rule of law actually looks like, the concept of federalism, the concept of state sovereignty, and an invasion at the southern border that we get to do something about finally after 10 million illegal immigrants have come across the border since the Biden administration took effect. So we'll get to all that throughout the program today, and you're more than welcome to call in and talk about those. However, I want to start off the show today with the upcoming, it's going on today, it was yesterday and today, already in committees and already in meetings this morning, but up in Overland Park, the Republican State Convention. Now, I was going to go up there, but it's really difficult to you know do this program, be able to take phone calls, and uh, do what we need to do up there. Uh, we thought about broadcasting up there, but it, 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 right now is where all the meetings are during this time. So it really wouldn't have helped to be able to grab guests and talk to people uh, live when they were all in their meetings and in, in their conferences. So uh, we didn't figure on broadcasting up there. Although as an alternative delegate for the state of Kansas and the Republican Party, I kind of wanted to go, but it's all right. It's a, it's more beneficial for us to stay here. But there's a lot to be discussed in this convention. There are elections for the RNC committee people. We talked with Mark Cars a few months ago. Uh, didn't get a chance to talk to some of the other ones, but I, I got to be honest, I don't know how much of a chance they really have to get elected. So they're, they're elections, but they're not really elections, if you know what I mean. But our representation from the state of Kansas to represent Kansas in the Republican National Committee up in Washington, D.C., and what that looks like is our representation here in the state. But not only that, but there's also the platform ideas where there's always this movement every year whenever we have this convention is to change the party platform. And I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I'm not quite sure why we do what we do when it, when it comes to the party platform. And there are some in the state, for whatever reason, that feels like we need to have some individualized uh, uh, agenda for each individual topic. And I think that in the end of the day, that harms the Republican Party more than it actually helps the party. We stand against abortion. We stand for Second Amendment issues. We stand for this. We stand for that. And I understand the concept because as conservatives, that's essentially the stance that we take or that we should be taking as a Republican Party. But we don't have to individualize each one of those topics when it comes to a party platform. It needs to be more simplified, so to speak where we can relate to those issues and whatever flavor of the day, whatever sexy topic of the day that's in the headlines, where we can relate that to the principles of what the party actually stands for. The Republican Party agenda needs to be a list of principles, not a list of topical issues of the day. And I think we need to kind of do the kiss thing, keep it simple, stupid, because every issue is going to change every single year, whether it's an ag issue, 
whether it's an immigration issue, whether it's a tax issue, whether it's a technology issue like artificial intelligence, whatever it may be, that we hold to the same principles. And whatever issue that is, then we apply those principles to that agenda. For example, if there is an attack on the Second Amendment and there are those that want to stand firm and say, we support the Second Amendment, cool. All we have to do is our platform is refer back to our policy and our philosophy of what we stand for and say that we support the Constitution that has a Second Amendment that says it shall not be infringed, period, end of story. We don't have to have that in our actual platform. We have to have that in our philosophy. We have to have that in the policy that we advocate for to say we support the Second Amendment. We support the Constitution that has a Second Amendment that keeps us allows us to have the right to keep and bear arms, and it shall not be infringed, period, end of story. We don't have to come out with these special agenda hot topic items, but there are some that that obviously feel like that we need to. And the problem with that is that we've gone into a part of society or or a, a societal mode to where we have to micromanage every little tiny issue. There's a great quote from Ann Coulter back before she went kind of crazy when she was writing a lot of her great books. And uh, I remember it from high school. One of my first political books that I ever read was an Ann Coulter book. And I don't remember the name of it right now. But she had made the comment that we've gone from a society where we have very little rules and we just have common sense prevail beyond that. But just very little guidelines that the government needs to create in order for us to function. And we just kind of do our thing thereafter. So now we have to write a, a very specific law and a very specific rule for every tiny little topic because we're too stupid to figure out how to use common sense as opposed to just having it written on paper for us because people try to bend those rules. They play in the gray areas a little bit and they've abused it so much that we have to do this. And I don't want the Republican Party to do that because that type of micromanagement of trying to write some type of policy agenda for every single Republican platform issue means that we're now becoming, quote-unquote, a big Republican Party government to where we have to have a law for every single individualized thing. And I just don't like that. So I hope that those that are up at the Republican convention, which you may be listening to this program this morning as you're getting ready for this, or maybe you're heading up for the convention or starting off your day getting ready for all your big meetings, that I hope that during these conversations throughout the convention today that we keep that in mind, that we stay true to our platform, which is a limited government, individualized, individual sovereignty, capitalist free market laissez-faire type of mindset that we don't have to micromanage every law, every every agenda, every rule, and that we can let people live their life and do whatever the hell they want to do as long as we stand on our three cores of principle conservatism, which is the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to private property. And as long as you don't infringe upon anybody else with those three categories on life, liberty, and private property, and we advocate for them not to infringe that upon us, then we're going to live happy hunky-dory and we stay true to our Republican agenda. And every issue that comes after that, whether it's LGBTQ issues, whether it's abortion issues, whether it's gun issues, whether it's tax issues, whether it's AI issues, whether it's ESG issues, whatever, we refer back to those three core principles, which is the right to life, Do we stand up to the right to life for someone to be able to live and not be murdered, whether we're talking about abortion or we're talking about some kind of crime rate, whether it's liberty issues and you have the right to freedomly uh, to be able to express yourself freely, whether it's to be able to voice your opinion freely, whether it's to live your life freely or whether it's private property. And private property can actually mean like your physical property can mean your body or can mean the uh, actual property of your home, or it can actually mean something that you create as a small business. 
and something that you produce, some type of creative art, whatever it is, your private property that is yours that has some type of value and that shall not be infringed, meaning we're not going to tax the hell out of it because the government comes in and says, well, that's nice you created it, but now we're going to take it all away. Like, that's not how we live our life. And I hope, I hope, here's the message to all the Republicans up at the convention today, they keep those in mind. Now, as for those that are voting, uh, that are running for the RNC committee people, good for you and good luck. And whoever gets elected, we'll have on the program to talk about our relationship with the state of Kansas and the Republican National Committee and what that means going into an election year. So we'll have that conversation coming up in the next few weeks. And for those that are wanting to work on this platform, let's keep it in the KISS mindset. Keep it simple, stupid, simplify it, and let's hold on to our values as our platform because that's a better message working out to other voters across the state. That Those values can win over new voters in the state of Kansas. Those values, just pushing those values, can win over people that may be the unaffiliated, that may be the independents, that may even be the libertarians. And when we stand on a very simplified platform of limited government, individual sovereignty, and the three pillars of conservatism, then guess what? I think we're going to do pretty darn good. And I think we're going to win. I know the Republican Party's been struggling. I think that they've gotten their uh, donations and their fundraising back up after the scare that we had earlier in the summer of near like $6,000 in the account. I believe that we're doing better. And that is good news because we're going into a full out war zone, metaphorically speaking, when it comes to election of 2024. So let's hope that the Republican Party is in a strong state and that we clean up our shenanigans, we stop the infighting and the bickering, and we get along and we start focusing on what's really important, which is stopping progressivism taking hold here in Kansas because it's been working little by little by little. This state is turning purple, and we can't not allow that to happen. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Your thoughts on all this? If you were... One of the delegates or alternative delegates or a member of the Republican Party here in Kansas, what do you want to see in the meeting today? And what would you like to see them do? Do you trust the leadership in the state Republican Party? I hope so, because there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. And if you're not involved and you want to be involved, how can you do that? How can you become a committee person? Which I highly recommend. If you ever, if you ever just want to get slightly involved, become a precinct person. The precinct people, there's always vacancies in your districts, wherever you may be, and you can totally help be able to campaign for individuals. You can be part of the system. And actually, you have a very crucial role if someone steps away from an office and you have to nominate someone to fill a vacancy as an elected official locally or statewide. You have that ability as a precinct person. So I highly recommend that you could potentially get involved that way as well. All right. We have a lot to talk about today. We have the big issue, obviously, with yesterday afternoon, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly vetoing the tax bill, the bipartisan tax bill that was crafted by the Republican legislature with many Democrats on board, giving her just about everything she wanted, plus a little bit of what Republicans wanted. What a terrible thing for them to do, right? They passed that on Tuesday this week, and then Governor Kelly waited till yesterday to veto that bill, saying, yeah, wanted a tax bill, but didn't really want it to be that much of a tax bill. How dare you actually cut funds from the state government? How dare you give money back to the people? I wanted to give money back to the people, but not like that. You guys are nuts. So what do we do about that thereafter? We'll cover some of that and more. Plus, what issue have we not talked about in the legislature this year that's been a hot topic for the last few years? Hmm, marijuana. Are we going to address anything like that in this uh, this? legislative session there have been some that were up earlier this week advocating for that we'll see where that goes this year as well lots to get to 21 minutes past the hour it is candace talk right here on wichita's big talker kqm good saturday morning to you let's get you started for another weekend
25 minutes past the hour for a 9 o'clock hour here on Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, plus our friends out in Garden City on KIUL as well. So wonderful to have you with us. Hey, by the way, I do have an opportunity for you to register today for the KQAM Pick a Purse promotion. Valentine's Day right around the corner, and you have a chance to win one of 10 different coach purses from KQAM and our partners with Jewelry Savers and uh Heartland Bicycle, so we'll get you some more information on that in just a little bit. Get you registered. Don't call yet for that one, but we will get you registered for that in just a little bit. All right, 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. If you want to jump on. So yesterday, after the big news of Kansas Governor Laura Kelly vetoing the tax bill in the State House Bill 2284, that was the compromise between the Republicans and the Democrats in the legislature and included the single-rate tax plan. I I like to say it's a flat tax, although it's not technically a flat tax because there is a 0% rate. And for those that may not be familiar with what this bill looked like, it is a tax bill that would simplify the tax code from going from three tax brackets down to one or two, where anybody making under $15,000 in the state of Kansas would not pay a bit of income tax. Now, personally... I disagree with that concept. Andy, what do you mean, you heartless jerk? I think that everybody needs to contribute at least something. And I've used this reference before, but you remember when you were a kid or if you had if you have kids or grandkids now, and let's say they're getting ready to buy their first vehicle and you could do one of two ways. You could make them work for it, which my parents, they they did this, I think, the, the proper way. I worked for it. I was working at a feed store at the time, you know, baling hay and carrying pounds, of, you know, 50 pound bags of uh, cattle feed or horse feed or dog feed or whatever. Uh, that's what I did for my high school job. Thank God I didn't have to actually work in the restaurant industry and be a waiter or anything. I got, <laughs> I got to actually be physical. I got to go to work and actually handle and do manly things by working at a feed store. It was really nice. I enjoyed that. But my parents said that whatever money that you save up for a car will match it. So that way you have to contribute it. So that way we're still helping you, but you have to do some work as well. And I love that concept because you can go one of two ways when your kid's about ready to get a car. You can either just give them the car. I, I had a lot of friends like that. They showed up in like a Mustang, and I'm like, what is that? And, oh, yeah, my parents got me this Mustang. That's cool. But do they really ever truly appreciate it? They didn't have to actually do the sweat to actually get that car. So do they really stay and keep it maintenance? And do they go in and get the oil changed properly? Do they make sure that the tires are rotated? Do they do the self-care to make sure that it lasts because they never had to put the skin in the game. Do they really appreciate that vehicle and try to make it last and take care of it as much as they possibly could, as opposed to someone who busted their you-know-what to try and save up to get that car? I did not get a Mustang. In fact, I got my 1996 two-door Pontiac Grand Am, and I drove that bad boy until I had 395,000 miles on it, and it still would have worked until I hit a pothole on a dirt road in the back and my in my front axle snapped in half and my re- my right tire fell off. And that was, let's see, that would have been that would have been years after high school. I drove it all through high school, all through college, all through broadcasting school, and I had just started my radio job actually out in Garden City, Kansas when that finally happened. So I went through a lot and I took care of that car. And I loved it. Why? Because I had to spend money on it. We're the same way with state issues. If you're paying into the system, then we want to make sure the system's working appropriately and efficiently for us. If you're paying taxpayer money into the state of Kansas, you want to make damn sure that the departments that are actually getting your money, the education system that's getting the money, the different agencies that are getting your money are working efficiently to make sure that it's working properly for you and that your money's going well spent. 
if you're not contributing at all, even just a tiny bit, then does it really matter to you? Do you really care? Ah, whatever, I'm not contributing to that. They can do whatever they want to. It doesn't really matter. But this is a flat tax bill. And that flat tax bill, apparently, Candace Governor Kelly did not like, even with all of her tax requests in it, in cutting taxes for Social Security recipients and for property taxes for individuals and so on and so forth. She got all that stuff but wouldn't compromise and work across the aisle. We'll read that statement when we come back. Plus, State Representative Patrick Penright around the corner. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM for a Saturday morning. Stay here. right here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Plus our friends out in Garden City on KIUL as well, Wichita's Big Talker KQAM covering all the latest news. We have a lot to get to today. Obviously, the veto from Kansas Governor Laura Kelly that happened yesterday after waiting three days. We have a lot of other bills that the legislature is working on. We'll get to plus the Republican State Convention going on right now and uh, I, I told you at the beginning of the program that I kind of wanted to be up there, and usually we like to go up to things like this, broadcast live from it. Didn't really help us really this morning because this is usually when all the different committees and different hearings are going on, so it wouldn't really help to sit up there and just jabber in the hallway when everybody else is busy. So it wasn't really beneficial for us to go up with the program, but I'm kind of glad I didn't with all the craziness that it sounds like it's going to happen. We'll talk about some of that here in just a moment with our next guest. Happy to have on the program to talk about all of these issues going on in the legislature, the veto from the governor yesterday, the state convention, and a heck of a lot more. Great personal friend at State Representative Patrick Penn on the line with us here. Patrick, good morning, my friend. What's happening? Oh, my goodness. How you doing? Thanks for having us on. Yeah, Good been, morning. Yeah, good morning to you. There's a lot of things happening right now, and I don't even know where to start. Let's start off first off with the veto from the governor yesterday because uh, Patrick I, I never thought that we would have a time where the governor says during her state of the state I want tax cuts and she wants tax cuts for social security recipients makes sense all right cool I want tax cuts for uh, property taxes for people with low income or with veterans or whatever it may be okay cool we can make that happen so we draft a bill that's tax cuts and then she vetoes it what the hell's going on up there well, Andy, you're spot on. This is Governor No. You know how uh, you know you have uh, James Bond, the title Doctor No. This is Governor No. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the bottom concern is she took our she took our tax bill, and everybody, even Democrats, recognized that whatever she said at the state of the state was highly disingenuous. It was basically a microwave warm over of what the Republicans had already been offering time and time again that she has vetoed for tax relief for Kansas families and hard workers time and time again. Then she took it, tried to assume it as herself, and push it out there and say that she's in the middle of the road. Well, the Republicans uh, looked back at it and said, we see you. We will meet you in the middle of the road. As Senate President Ty Masterson and uh, uh, Speaker of the House Dan Hawkins said, man, we feel like we're so far to the middle that we're to the left left ditch. Yeah. So yeah, no we, gave her, we gave her pretty much everything she wanted, and she still no. Doesn't make any sense. So she cites, and the Democrats cite, that this bill would make us bankrupt in a few years, which, according to the Kansas Policy Institute, says that we would still actually have close to $3 billion in our revenue stream by after three years as well. So 
uh, it, this doesn't really, obviously when you do a tax cut, initially you're going to see maybe a little bit less revenue coming in, but it allows the state to grow with more taxpayers contributing, more people investing, more people starting businesses, more people doing positive things that would eventually down the road allow us to see more revenue. And I think, Patrick, that if we're seeing a less of a tax rate and I have more money in my pocket, that gives me the ability to go out and buy more goods, which would then create more sales tax. Like, I don't understand the concept that this, just because you're not seeing that in that immediate tax income for the government, that all of a sudden we're going to go bankrupt and how dare that rich not pay their fair share. Well, you know, with Laura Kelly and her Democrat friends uh, from Joe Biden all the way down, the math, Democrat math ain't mathing. Democrat math ain't mathing. Well, these people right here, let's just talk about nuts and bolts. The simple fact that we have such a huge surplus in the state of Kansas in tax revenues against the projections that they have uh, pushed out is that she is overburdening our taxpayers. She is overburdening our taxpayers and then, um, you know, pushing out these notices to say, pat me on the back because I have a whole lot more of your money than I intended to. And instead of me lowering and lessening the burden to you across sales tax, property tax, social security tax, every type of tax that I am leveraging and burdening, overburdening you with, instead of me meeting with your elected representatives in the middle of the road and making sure that you get your money back and we lessen the burden on your pocket, I'm going to say not only no, but hell no. Let's go down the list. She said no to exempting the social security tax on uh, income tax <clears throat> for state taxes starting in tax year 2024. Her plan, her plan included that measure. We gave her that. That would immediately, if she says that she's for rural Kansas, all of a sudden now she grew for rural Kansas since she was the education governor before when she ran, but you know, nobody can read, nobody can do math. So now she's decided, hey, I'm going to be the rural uh, champion. Well, fine. I have plenty of individuals who are out in rural Kansas who are on social security, and this would help them greatly provide relief immediately. She said no. Then when we talk about exempting the first $100,000 of taxable uh, property tax uh, from the 20 mil levy that we hold at the state level, I'm not talking about the county taxes. I'm talking about the state, what we're responsible for. The first $100,000 on your property tax, that would start in tax year 2024. Mm -hmm. She included that in hers. We gave her that. And and we indexed that, made sure that everything is, is, is rocking and popping. She said, no, let's go back to the rural communities. If Martha inherited a farm and a farmhouse when Gerald died, and that house is sitting at $75,000, right, the value of it, this would help her to pay zero on her property tax. Now she's sitting here with Social Security tax, can't get that at zero. Now she's sitting here with property tax, can't get that at zero. Well, let's go talk about some more relief that she, that the governor is not giving to a rural Kansas. When we said, hey, look, you wanted to talk about uh, reducing the standard deduction. We gave her that. We made it happen. And we also tied it to the inflation index so that every year that inflation goes up, you still don't feel an extra bite. That's what the Republicans did because she missed that. We gave it to her and we fixed it for her so that all Kansans could get that uh, uh, standard deduction uh, rate increased and have it indexed with inflation so that their pockets wouldn't hurt. So we gave her that as well. Then we also said your personal uh, uh, in, uh, tax, your personal exemption that you have for 22, uh, I think it's $2,250, uh, that will be started in tax year 2024. Uh, the governor's plan did not include this right here, so we wanted to make sure that every family got some stuff. Okay? Then we said, now this one right here is a big one. 
Remember how she walked around with that little hatchet, Andy, talking about that she was going to yeah. ax the food? She's some people all over the grocery stores with a hatchet. Yeah, I remember that. Remember that rolling it out and everything, and it just looked weird. We're all bent over with a little axe and stuff, and we're like, "That's not an axe, lady. That's a hatchet." But you never done work. Wood and everything, and we don't believe in microwaving other people's money and doing the work ourselves. We 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 know what an axe is. Anyway, all that to say, she wanted to axe the food sales tax. Well, the Republicans came back and said, "Let's eliminate that." And we're not going to do it as, as we already had in statute because we had to override her veto before. And it was going to take effect January 1st of 2025. Well, we bumped that all the way up in, in accordance with the statute. The first time that it can be published and actuated was April the 1st of 2024, this year. That's what we voted on. That's what we passed out of the House and the Senate. We sent it to her. She vetoed that as well. So your food sales tax going to zero like she called for. We said, we'll meet you in the middle of the road. She said, hell no. Then we said, here's, a, <clears throat> here's one other thing, reducing the privilege tax for banks from 3.75 to 4.37 and also savings and loans, uh, reducing their rates. So this is a tax cut that would start in 2025, like you said, to allow more investment. But the worst thing, Andy, and I'll, I'll finish with this one right here. The worst thing on this piece that really ticked me off was when we're talking about the single income tax rate. We don't talk about property tax. We don't talk about social security tax. We don't talk about food sales tax. We don't talk about uh, uh, investments. Now, here's one that hits everybody. Sales tax on groceries, food sales tax by the state. Yeah. That, that one right there is one that we're going to get rid of. But the one that was, really ticked me off was when they call it a single rate and there's brown back and all this stuff. No, it's not. Right. There are already 30,000 Kansans who fit up under the, belt, the bubble in the bell that they do not get taxed on their income. We were expanding that to include another 310,000 Kansans up under that line. We had two tax rates, zero for that 330, 340,000 Kansans, as well as a single rate for everybody else of 5.25%. That would allow us to increase the volume, but lessen the burden on the shoulders, pinpoint on the shoulders of our middle class. Because right now the rich they, they're gonna they're gonna take their money and what do they do? They offshore it and everything. They got you know Cayman Islands and banks and everything. They're not gonna come on now. Right. They, they got lawyers galore. They they're not gonna come on. They're gonna protect their money. And the that's the ultra rich. And we got the poor. The poor they're not gonna get taxed because they're below the they're below the poverty level. So who gets taxed? By default, it's the middle class. They get squeezed. And when you squeeze them out of existence, you squeeze out our economic engine, you squeeze out our producers, you squeeze out the future of Kansas. We were trying to alleviate that pressure on them and give them the tax relief that they need. And the governor of Kansas said no and hell no. It's wild. It blows my mind the fact that she called for this. You gave her everything she wanted, and then she still vetoes the bill. The question now is, Patrick, is on both sides, especially in the House, neither one of the chambers passed it with that supermajority the initial time. Do we have enough votes to come back and do a veto override on this bill and actually make some tax breaks happen in the state? I think um, that's an excellent question, Andy. And uh, I think that we do have the votes, at least on the House side. I know they're working fervently on the Senate side. Uh, I know that we had over 81. I think it was when we, when we yeah, voted. So you're just a couple 81, shy. 81 to 37. We had some members that were uh, absent that day, about four or five Republicans. I think out of the five that were missing, I think four of them would be with us. So that will put us up to about 85 yeses. 
And the, 80, uh, the 84th vote is a gentleman by the name of um, Marvin Robinson, a Democrat, KCK. Yeah. And uh, that brother, he's voting well for his district because all the things that we just uh, enumerated and elucidated, those things would help out House District 35 that he represents as well. So he voted for it, uh, even though the governor told him not to. Brother is square. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's still rocking it. He was a great asset for us uh, last year as well. He continues to be, so we appreciate what he's doing. Uh, Patrick, I want to shift gears because I, I don't want to waste all the time on this one, but I want to talk to you about a couple other things as well. You uh, presented a bill this week as well that made some media headlines about putting some age verification on certain websites, like adult uh, adult activity websites, trying to make sure that uh, minors across the state don't have access to some of this ridiculous content. And I love the media when they had the counter from the Democrats and the Democrat comment that they made was, well, you know, it makes sense and I understand the premise of the idea, but at the same time, like, your values don't necessarily match my values. And if I think that my children need this type of content for uh, educational purposes, then I think it should be okay. That was the argument that they used against why we should have age verification on certain websites. Well, not only that, Andy, and you're spot on. The, the thing that blew my mind is that uh, the one representative uh, quoted in the article and in the piece that uh, Cake News did, he says that this should be used as curriculum. <laughs> now, what? You want to use this as curriculum? Hold on, brother. Y'all said that we couldn't even do Eddie Eagle because the state house has no right to determine curriculum, right? But now you have the state house saying that PORN can be curriculum. That's insane. Here's what we know. We know that the average, the average age of exposure to these types of adult imageries and sites and everything is between 7 and 13 years old. And one study even showed us that 10% of 12-year-olds already think that they're addicted to this type of material. Mm. What we don't want to have are kids stumbling across this. They're, the first time that they view it is like 12 years old or younger, right? And we don't want them stumbling across, you know, pornographic images, sites, and everything like that. Then we know that all across this nation, this type of measure has enjoyed huge bipartisan support. It has passed not only out of each chambers, but also across the legislatures and going to governor's desks and signed into law. Case in point, California, <laughs> California, this is not crazy. California passed a similar measure, both chambers. They got a problem out there. Gavin Newsom signed it into law. That's how bipartisan this concept is. Wow. And we want to make sure that we keep adult content before adult eyes. It's really that simple. So when you have guys like uh, the good uh, uh, member from Wichita coming out in the news and stuff saying that, hey, I can't understand why in the world anybody would want to do this and da-da-da-da-da, all I know is these guys, man, they got the pedophile vote on lock. That's yeah. not what I'm trying to no, it, I'm the father of four kids. I'm the father of four kids. And my kids range in age from 12 to 9 to 8 to 4. I'm doing this for my kids. Yeah. Now, how would it work, Patrick? Because I know that sometimes, you know, places have certain, you know, age verification. But the age verification means that you click a little box that says, yes, I'm over 18. And then you click it. And even a 12-year-old can figure out how to get around those. So what would this entail for an actual age verification that's a little bit more beefy? Now, obviously, if people really want to find a way to get around that stuff, they're going to find a way to get around it. But at least some type of filter or some type of wall to make it less easy for them to access this, what would that look like? 
Absolutely. So with the vision, with, and you're exactly right. That's how the entire world of uh, this, 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 um, um, all the imagery and everything is, is open to kids, right? All they have to do is click a button that says, are you 18? Yes or no? And it's just a dummy button, right? Right. What this speech verification thing does, it doesn't take away your free speech or your right to choose or do you know, or pursue or look at whatever you want to. The only thing we say is, hey, let's actually enforce the law. So in accordance with the law that we already have on the Kansas statutes that talks about material that is harmful to minors, we just said, hey, in order to enforce that, what we're going to do is have um, a third party, uh, not the government, but a third party scrutinized. You submit your ID or some type of form of ID, state ID, biometric, whatever it is that you choose uh, or however it's set up. We, we allow the flexibility for how it's going to be um, you know, uh, stood up. But that would be the uh, gate through which you would submit that ID. It verifies your age, your face, whatever the case is, and then uh, gives you that access and, and you move forward. But if you were saying that um, you know, someone should be able to just go in and press a button and have the entire realm of dark web and, and, and uh, you know, adult material, be it disgusting or not, at their fingertips at the, at the ripe old age of 11, well, I have a serious problem with you and I, I would love to meet you in battle uh, concerning this particular piece of legislation because one of the big things, Andy, that we wanna do, and, and let me, uh, you asked uh, how does it work, the mechanism is not that they retain this information, there's no uh, retention of it. There's no databasing of it or anything like that. What it is is a one-time look once you present, and it verifies, and you go off, and then the the the, um, the documentation on it and stuff is is not kept or anything like that. So people don't have to be worried about is something going to be weaponized against them because they so choose. That's not the concept at all. Yeah. It's not about uh, stopping your ability to choose or your free speech or stifling your free speech. We're trying to uh, balance that very well. We've seen all of those fights. So this is a very well-reasoned piece of legislation. It's in accordance with our Kansas statutes, and it's in accordance with the best of taking care of kids yeah. and women. Yeah. Uh, because right now, you know, like I said in the news article, we have a lot of people that have a lot of issues, right, uh, dealing in their families. And a lot of it stems from this. We also know that with our fully open border at the South, uh, and I stand in support of Texas on that and Arizona, bottom line up front, Human trafficking, sex trafficking of boys, girls, women, if we actually care about them, we do this legislation, 2592, and we want to make sure that we do it. And here's why. Because it's all about the law of supply and demand. Right now, we got too many people demanding this stuff. Mm. Therefore, we got too much supply coming across an open border. Let's take care of our women and our kids by doing this piece of legislation. Yeah. Amen to that. I like it. And, you know, whether by default or not, whether it was intended that way or not, people that are putting their personal information in may second guess that because a lot of times they feel shameful of doing it. So, you know, that just makes them like, oh, do I really want to go down that road? But they have the choice to do so if they want. So, Patrick, we just got a few minutes left here uh, before we wrap up. And I appreciate your time very much. A state representative, Patrick Penn from the Wichita area here. Uh, I want to talk about the upcoming state convention. I know you're headed up there later today for the big vote and obviously a lot of drama building up to this one. Not only for we've heard a few different stories, which I I got to admit, I thought this was dead and over, but apparently not. But the whole committee issue regarding different uh, minority groups within the Republican Party, along with the party platform where we're wanting to overhaul the entire essential platform, of what we stand for and just try and itemize every single issue, which I don't understand why we're trying to do that. But there's going to be additional police, there's going to be additional law enforcement, and there's going to be some really intense voting going on today at this GOP convention. What, what's your take on all this? And are we going to come out of this unified as a party, do you think? Well, 
I know that the Republicans, thank you for, for that quick question. I'll, I'll be brief on it. Um, I know that the Republicans are smart, okay? Uh, no matter which side of the aisle that you fall on, I know that you want the right thing for our state and for our country. I know that people are impassioned with their particular perspectives, but they're reasonable. And I think that uh, most things that we have as conflict can be solved with a simple conversation. I think that a lot of what we're seeing produced right now has occurred in echo chambers and in a vacuum. And, uh, you know, and it's being presented, but it really hasn't been vetted. And unfortunately, a lot of that first conversation vetting is going to happen in public. And uh, there's going to be media there. And I anticipate that there's going to be some uh, some 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 uh, intensity to to all the discussions. I would pray that it's not. Uh, but I know that it's for me and my house. We will be um, respectful and exchange ideas, but make our points heard. Uh, as forcefully as we need to make them be heard. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that we have a chairman who has not once spoken to me, uh, and I am your only black Republican elected on any level in the whole state of Kansas. Not once have their people come and spoken to me. Mm. My wife is the vice chairwoman of the Kansas Black Republican Council, and if you're pushing legislation, uh, not legislation, but rules and changes and constitutional changes that say you want to get rid of the presence of the Black Republican Council, the national uh, the Republican National Hispanic uh, Association, as well as the uh, presence of the RWU and the seat that the young Republicans hold on the executive committee and the state committee. That's a problem. Yeah. That is a problem. And when you put it into a resolution, as I've seen uh, that, you know, against DEI and you say that the Kansas GOP has DEI in its ranks, well, now you're disparaging the merit that I did for over 20 years in the military. My wife did in the in the military. Me serving in the country, putting my name on the ballot and getting in the streets and meeting these people, uh, you know, and putting my family out here, even on your show and everywhere, not saying that you've done anything wrong. I'm just saying we've exposed our family, little yeah. kids, to a, in order to further the GOP message. So to be slapped around uh, by these who are currently in control and not be respectfully approached, uh, it goes beyond the level of disrespect that you could possibly imagine. But it's horrible optics. Yeah. For our for our party in a presidential year to have to deal with this divis divisive uh, type of concept of the party when we should be pulling together we shouldn't be kicking these minority groups out of the party and its representation and its representation we should be circling the wagons right now and thrusting into these communities to pull the margins so that we deny it to the Democrats. But well, we're wasting time. I don't understand what the priority is here or why we're changing internally what we're doing, whether people like it or not. Like we should be focused on fundraising and getting ready for a major election to get Republicans elected. And that's it seems like we're wasting time by worrying about stupid stuff internally that's that's harming us more than it's helping us, Patrick. And I I don't understand it. So I hope that vote comes up. We got about 20 seconds. Go for it. It's all yours. Let me be real with you. This is a power grab by the current chairman. Okay, that's the body, but the clothing around the body is racism, sexism, ageism. That's all there is to it, because we had to vote in to have a primary here because this particular chairman could not raise money in order to pull off our customary caucus. Save this bacon before we're going to go do it again today. Get her done, man. I'm glad you're going to be up there. Keep that fight up, and hopefully this goes the way that it needs to go to get us back on track. Patrick Penn, State Representative, God bless you, my friend. Keep it up. Let's get you back on again real soon. God bless you. Will do. Hey, there it is. State Representative Patrick Penn. Good stuff. We'll talk some more about that when we come down. Break down what's really going on at the State Republican Convention right around the corner here on Kansas Talk. 
Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. It is now our number two of Kansas Talk right here at Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4. If you have that smart radio on the FM dial, plus our friends out in Garden City, Kansas, on the Big Talker of Western Kansas, KIUL as well. So wonderful to have you with us. Welcome in 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, which I have to apologize. I I did the first half hour of the program, and I opened it up to the phone calls because that was the half hour that we didn't have a guest. And I realized that we were we had some phone technical issues yesterday during the Voice of Reasons program. And I was trying to reset phone lines and reset stuff, and I didn't plug my phone unit back in. So for the first half hour of the program last hour, we didn't have a phone line until I actually went to go call my guest and realized it wasn't working, got it all back in, and it's actually working now. So we're back at it, ready to go. So if you want to call in, now's your opportunity at 316-721-8255. I think that... Well, by the way, Dan Hawkins, Speaker of the House, he'll be joining us here in just a few minutes, about 10 minutes or so. We'll have him on the program. Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner, he'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about some county issues and more. I think in that last segment, which, by the way, Patrick Penn was awesome. We always love him to death. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have him back on again soon. We mentioned the Republican platform. There are some other issues I want to talk about as well with the bill that he has regarding the adult content and the veto bill that we'll talk with Dan about in a minute. But I, I want to focus on the GOP convention that's ongoing right now for just a moment and i want to back up a little bit for those that may not be included on what's going on or understand some of the internal drama of what's happening right now yeah oh there's a lot of drama and it's unfortunate because as a republican party we are supposed to be a strong unified party to dominate against democrats in this general election and it seems like since this new chairman of the state republican party has come on the pro or not come on the program he hasn't been on here yet but since he's taken the chairmanship of the state party, Mike Brown, that we've seen a lot of drama. And I want to back up a little bit for those that may not be aware of what's going on here. And I think really the dangers of what direction this Republican Party could be going down. And this could be very controversial, obviously, because this is going to be a big convention today. Again, I'm more and more glad that I'm not there, although I think we need to be there to kind of bring some common sense and reason to some of these individuals. But at the same time, I'm glad I'm not there right now. Because they have an increased law enforcement presence at the state convention today. They have apparently the right to turn anybody away from the convention that they want to if they start acting out. So it's already high tension. The Republican Party in the state of Kansas right now is bickering amongst itself at a level that I don't think I've ever seen in the state. And it's very concerning to me. But to back up to understand what's really going on, just so you have a presence and aware of this, uh, awareness of this, that when Mike Brown became chairman of the state party a year or so ago, a couple of years ago, uh, the whole purpose was to obviously fundraise, to make money for the state Republican Party and get ready for a major election. And since he's taken office and the new executive committee that he's put in place with him, with his team, has tried to do some massive internal changes on how the state Republican Party actually works. And one of them being the most controversial of them all, obviously, is the fact that the committees, every the state Republican Party has different committees on different issues, different policies, different how to voter outreach, how to appeal to new people, how to select certain candidates for certain offices. They have all these different committees. 
And in these committees, there are the different subgroups of the Republican Party around the state. A lot of them, most of them, that are based here in the city of Wichita, from the Black Republicans, the Republican Women United, the Hispanic Republican group, all these different clubs that are under the Republican umbrella that are trying to reach out to certain demographics and certain communities across the state. Obviously, Wichita being that main hub because we're the biggest city and we do a lot of that. Mike Brown and the new team of the Republican Party is looking to get rid of them. All of these different groups, the Black Republicans, Black Women Republican Group, the Women Republican United, the Latino and Hispanic community, whatever. They're trying to get rid of these subgroups off of the executive committees at the statewide level. And our the first obvious question that we should have is, why? And the argument that they're using is because we're so non-racist in the party is that we shouldn't have them on the committee leaderships just because of their skin color or their gender. Which, on the surface, you're like, okay, that kind of sort of makes sense. But I have two questions for you. Number one is, why would you shake up the boat like this going into a major election when that shouldn't be your focal point? The party's been running relatively smoothly. Your job is to fundraise, and you're booting off people off of committees just for the sake of booting them off because you want the party to run the way that you want it to, as opposed to focusing on what your job is, which is to fundraise. So why even go down this road? Why even rattle the cage when there's literally no need to do so in going into a major election season? Number two, whether it comes off this way or not, and we be careful as conservatives because these words get thrown out so loosely nowadays that you don't know whether they're true or not, and they've kind of belittled their meanings of what these words are, but when you throw out these words racist or bigoted or homophobic or yada, 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 and we get accused of that just for being Republicans, whether that's your objective or not, that's the optics of what it looks like. You're part of the black Republican group, but because you're black, you shouldn't just have an automatic state in the executive committee, so therefore we're going to boot you off. And I'm here to tell you that right now, and I've said this so many times on this program, the Voice of Reason program, the National Weekend program, that Republicans have a prime opportunity right now, a prime opportunity, some of the best opportunity that we've had in a very long time. We have a prime opportunity to win over demographics that predominantly vote Democrat. And while I hate identity politics, and I think it's stupid we have to label people based on skin color, based on gender, based on sexual orientation, based on all this garbage, identity politics is the lowest common denominator of stupid low IQ that we could have because we're so superficial, that's what we have to look at to categorize people and put them in boxes. The problem is, is that many communities live in those communities in certain towns in those neighborhoods. And they don't get reached by Republican values. They don't get reached by Republican candidates. We don't have messaging for them to win them over. So what do they do? They continuously vote Democrat. And my question to Mike Brown and the Republican Party that's looking to change these leadership positions in our state convention today is while you may not agree with the fact that we're focusing on on identity politics, why would we boot them off committees when we should be utilizing these different clubs to enhance their ability to for outreach and the enhance the ability to win more Republican voters over by winning them over with a message that reaches them based on their community? This doesn't make any sense to me. It's so stupid why we've gone down this road of trying to outcast them as opposed to embrace them and bring them in and widen the voter base of Republicans in the state because we want to cast them out just because we don't want identity politics. This is stupid. And whether the optics are there or not, whether the message, whether this is the intention or not, the optics look like 
we have a new group coming in wanting to oust any minority off of executive committees on the Republican Party just because we want to have a purist group. And you know what that could look like from the other side. Not that I care what the other side looks like, but it looks like it from within the party as well, and that's not a good thing. I really hope during this state convention today that we can actually stamper this out, we can kill it once and for all, and we can get back on track by doing what our job is, which is to widen the base with Republican voters, appeal to more voters, even in demographics that normally don't vote Republican, and get ready for a major 2024 election with getting more people registered as Republicans and fundraising for more money to come into the Republican Party. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to focus on. Anything outside of that is nothing more than a power grab by idiots that just feel like they have an ego and want to take over with their own mindsets. And we, and I don't care how controversial that statement may or may not be, but this is absurd for us to go down this road. And I'm sick of it, and we can't be doing that. 316-721-8255. I hope that this is, I, this is going to be a very uh, uneasy very uncomfortable Republican state convention today, and we can't allow that to happen. And you need to be aware of what's going on. So obviously the vote's going on today. By next week, we'll be able to recap this and have some people from the state party on and talk about this. And maybe we can actually get our you-know-what's-in-gear, start focusing on a, an election, and not worry about what uh, you know minority groups may be looking like at the state party because of this wannabe takeover and ousting minority groups. I tell you over and over again that we have a Hispanic station here in town as well with La Raza, and talking to the Hispanic community, if we would actually just talk to them and have a conversation with them, we would realize that the vast majority of them are conservative and would probably vote Republican if we actually reached out to that community. And what Mike Brown and these Republicans are saying right now is that they don't want to do that. They actually want to oust them, not have them at the table to figure out ways to reach them easier through the state party and just outcast them and say, well, sorry, no, no, you're not. uh, Just because your skin color is different, we don't want you to be at this committee. You have to have value. I think there is value there. And every one of our great leaders of the Women Republican United and the Black Vote, uh, the Black Caucus and the Hispanic Caucus and all these under the Republican Party, They have great value. I've talked with each and every one of them, especially here in the Wichita area. And the hell are we doing? The hell are we doing, Republican Party? I hope this convention kills off this and cancels it out so we can actually move forward and prioritize. When we come back, Dan Hawkins, Speaker of the House, he'll be joining us. We'll talk about the veto from Governor Kelly and more coming up right around the corner on Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talk or KQAM. Stay here. All right, 18 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into it right here. Can't just talk. Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Didn't want to waste any time. Want to get right to our next guest as he's got limited time with us as he is up at the state convention right now. We were just talking about what this convention may hold, some of the tension going on up there. We'll get to that in just a moment. But there's a lot to converse with him about with this last week. So we passed a tax bill on Tuesday that uh, got Republican support, Democrat support. We got support. We gave the governor what she wanted. She wanted a tax cut bill. She wanted to give relief to Social Security recipients and to veterans and to low-income individuals. We gave her all of it. And then she turns around and vetoes the bill as of yesterday afternoon, saying, according to her statement uh, uh, from Cake News, she says, I support responsible tax cuts, but I refuse to sign into law a reckless flat tax that would take us back to the brown back arrow while doing next to nothing for the middle class as she invokes her article 2 section 14a of the constitution to veto said tax bill we give her everything 
after calling for a tax cut, and then she still continues to veto it. To talk about some of that and so much more, happy to have on the program, and I love the response that you guys gave on this one, but Speaker of the House from District Number 100 here in the Wichita area, Mr. Dan Hawkins. Dan, good morning to you. How are you, my friend? Andy, I am doing fantastic. It's a, it's a great day to be a Republican. <laughs> it's a great day to be a Republican. Yeah, it's a frustrating one, though. It feels like you guys are just banging your head against the wall with the with what she did. Dan, she told you. She wanted a tax cut. She said it in her state of the state. Sure. You guys draft a tax bill. You pass it. Give her everything that she wants. And then she turns around and vetoes this stuff. What the heck's going on? That's uh, true. Governor Kelly has now act a third tax relief bill in less than a year. Just think about it. In less than a year, uh, she's truly choosing political wins over increasing Kansans' paycheck. <laughs> That's something that people need to think about. So it really kind of makes me wonder, does she want to give folks a true tax relief bill, or does she just really want to continue Biden inflation and hurting? I, it doesn't make any sense to me, Andy. It really doesn't, because... Um, and you said it. You said it in your little in your monologue before I came on. Um, we gave her four things that she was wanting. That wasn't necessarily what I wanted. It was what she wanted, yeah. and we compromised and gave her that. We only wanted to add the the, the 5.25 percent uh, single rate tax, and she vetoes it. Um, you know, she says that she vetoed it because it's a giveaway to the rich. And here's where the rich starts in Kansas. $30,000 is rich because that's where our current tax rate, 5.7% on the top end, starts. Yeah. And, and so in her, in her eyes, that's given to the rich. Now, the Social Security tax, the income, doing away with the income tax on Social Security, starts at 75000 So people below 75000 currently get that uh, break. Now, people over 75000 would get that break if she would have signed it, and she doesn't think that's a giveaway to the rich. She does some amazing mental gymnastics to contort her brain into a way of believing what she's saying. Well, it really reinforces the idea as well that while she says she wants certain things, she's unwilling to compromise to give you anything that you guys want as well because you gave her her entire laundry list of tax incentives, tax cuts that she called for. You gave that to her and then said, Absolutely. we'd like to do something as well, and she's unwilling to work on the other side of that. For the governor that says that she wants to work across the aisle and be the moderate governor, she's unwilling to give you guys anything. Yeah, so, so, and here's another fact. You're absolutely right. Here's another fact is, is that there's over 300,000 people who would no longer be paying any tax, and she just hurt them. And these are the people that need it the most. Yeah. So, so she's not. She's not actually hurting me. She's not, but you know, I'm I certainly make a lot more than thirty thousand. Uh, she is hurting the person that would be paying zero right now if she would have signed that. Over three hundred thousand folks in Kansas would not be paying any tax, and and so truly, those three hundred thousand should be calling the governor and saying, "What the heck are you doing? You're killing us out here." Yeah, it's I mean, unbelievable. It's just amazing how she can make this leap. Uh, in her brain. It really is. Yeah, it really is. And the argument, of course, is that we're going to destroy the state by not having so much tax revenue coming in and, of course, not taxing the rich. But according to the Kansas Policy Institute, in three years, we're still going to see like $3 billion worth 
of revenue coming into the state and uh, more than enough for us to be able to operate, function, and still have our safety net. This is not going to just bankrupt the state of Kansas. No, and that's one of the things that she said in her in her uh, veto message, and she said and some stuff earlier is that is that this tax is not sustainable. But the reason why uh, she was able to say that is is they put one point six billion dollars of spending in, so her budget is thirteen point eight percent more than last year's spending. Mm. And so, if you take that out, if you take that one point six billion out. Not only is this tax relief package sustainable, it's sustainable as far out as we can project. Wow. But, but when you spend like a drunken sailor, like she has uh, in this budget, there's not much of anything that could be sustainable at that level. Yeah. Not even hers can be sustainable if you're going to spend $1.6 billion a year more than you did last year. You can't make it work. And so our job this year is to really control the budget and not allow her to spend what she's proposed. And I can guarantee you our folks are already looking at it, and we are not going to spend $1.6 billion like she's proposed. Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with uh, Speaker of the House for the State of Kansas, Dan Hawkins, District Number 100. And, and I have to say, the way that you and Ty work on the Senate president side uh, between the House and the Senate is amazing. I've never seen such a unity between two different chambers to be able to work together like this. You guys came up with a joint statement as well, and Ty said it as well, that you know we have a supermajority, that the Republican voters, the the Kansas voters need to remember that we have a supermajority in both chambers. So my next question is, Dan, is that last year we missed this by, by about one vote in each chamber to not pass the veto override. Do we have the numbers to make that happen this year? So I will, you know, it's a... Uh... You know, it's one of those things we're always working on. We have the votes in the House, uh, and we will be the first to take the override at the House bill. Uh, so we will we will take that override first, and we'll pass the override. We will override the governor. Uh, you know, Ty's got a little tougher situation in the Senate. He doesn't have the margin, and, and he's got to have every vote. He's actually looking for one vote right now, and hopefully he's going to find it. Yeah. Um, I pray. I'm going to ask everybody out there to pray, 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 because we're truly. A lot of people don't realize we're in a we're we're really in a a a, a war of ideas, and and certainly, um, for my for my standpoint, much much like a religious war, uh, we have to make sure that we're praying to to get you know God to touch the people that need to be touched to vote. Um, so. Prayer is always welcome. I hope uh, people will pray for the Senate to come up with the votes to be able to override this uh, veto. Yeah, and actually, you know, give some relief to Kansans across the board. I love it, Dan. we got just a couple of minutes left here, but I want to talk about the state convention for a minute. You're up there right now. You're in between meetings, and I really appreciate you taking some time to jump on with us in between all the craziness going on up there. But the big vote's happening this afternoon, and obviously there's a lot of tension right now. We've yeah. Just got done talking about the uh, the wanting to remove different uh, individuals and groups off of executive committees at the state party. Why we're even going down this road, along with the news that we had throughout this year about struggles for fundraising at the state GOP level, when we're supposed to be focused on a major election this year. What's your thoughts on this entire take? Are we going to come out of this meeting this afternoon as a unified party, you think, or are we going to be more divided than ever? Well... You know, I would say the division will continue. I, I do think that we're going to come out with in a situation where some of this stuff that's being put to a vote will get will get killed. Um, I, I think that they will will have enough votes to 
stop some of the insanity that's going on by this group that controls the state party. Uh, however, it, it does not change the state party itself. You know, that's probably not going to change until the next election. Mm. And so we just got to live with that and continue to work with it the best we can. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that because, quite frankly, it does no good for us uh, to be at odds with each other. But it's, it's pretty difficult right now. I'm one of those that they're trying to kick off the executive committee. Um, you know, they, they haven't been able to raise any money. And a lot of people wonder, well, why is that? Well, it's because they ticked off almost everybody that actually paid money into the state party. Wow. Uh, so it's kind of hard for them to find the money when they've, when they've went out there and just literally, um, made everybody mad that was actually a part of the process. Yeah, it seems like there's two major agendas today, which is going to be voted on, which is obviously the leadership issue on who's going to be on committees, but then also the uh, actual Republican platform for the state. And it seems like we're trying to go down this road of let's just micromanage and, and have a stated platform issue on every different sexy topic of the day, as opposed to just re-embracing our principles of a limited government and keeping our platform short for a messaging mindset to win over more Republicans, but we just want to micromanage and have a specific statement on every single topical issue. And Dan, I don't know that that necessarily helps the party as opposed to just saying, these are the principles that we stand on and relate these principles to every different issue and current event out there in today's times. No, and I I think actually, I think it's bad to do that. And, 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 you know, I really, I actually have faith. Uh, I have faith that the folks that are here to vote are going to do what's right and make sure that they don't destroy our, our party. Our party, if we want it to be a big tent, you can't do what they're wanting to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it literally destroys the idea of Republican Party being a big tent. It's what it's all about. we got a big fight ahead of us, and hopefully we can make the right decision at the state Republican convention today, Dan. It's Dan Hawkins, Speaker of the House, District Number 100 here from the Wichita area. Keep up this fight. Thank you so much for taking some time with us, my friend. Let's get another update from you soon. Thanks, Andy. Take care. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is, Dan Hawkins. Always love what he's doing. Appreciate him very, very much. Good stuff. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. We'll bring it back down to the local area. We'll talk about the Cedric County government. Some updates here in in the county and maybe pick his brain a little bit on some of the GOP issues as well. It's Jim Howell, Cedric County Commissioner, right around the corner. Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed you are. Welcome back into it. Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQM. Hey, by the way, we have not done it yet, so hint, hint, wink, wink. Coming up, I don't know, in the next 25 minutes before the end of the program, we are going to get you registered for KQAM's Pick a Purse. Valentine's Day right around the corner, and you have an opportunity to be one of 10 to win a coach purse from KQAM with our partners at Jewelry Savers and Heartland Bicycle. You can also go to their locations as well at Jewelry Savers and at Heartland Bicycle. Get registered for that. The drawing will be on Saturday, February 10th. Stay tuned in for that and become one of those. It could be there to win one of those coach purses. We'll have that uh, registration and get you registered here in just a little bit on Candace Talk. 316-721-8255. We have some calls on the line. Stay here. We'll get to you in just a moment. But we have not done this in a while, and I think it's about time that we did it again. 
We haven't played that sound during a long time. Happy to have back on the program with us here for 2024 especially, Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell. Happy hey, New Year, sir. Andy, happy New Year to you, my Good friend. Good to see you. Thank it's you. been a little bit. I'm glad to be here again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's difficult only having a once a week with the, with some of the local talk. It's uh, you know, we don't get to chat as frequently. I tell you what, the uh, the subject matter is uh, incredible. There's so many things going on in the county at this point. I I can hardly keep track of it all. I need a big whiteboard. <laughs> a big whiteboard just to but, follow uh, it. The flow. There's a lot going on, so it's good we're getting together today. Yeah, absolutely. We are starting off. At, it's been nice, not just with, obviously, the weather giving us some moisture, giving us some cool weather in actual winter time, which has been nice. But, I mean, I'm excited for this year because we have election season. We have uh, we have new events coming to town. You guys are working on uh, a lot of projects. So, overall, I think 2024 is going to be a great year for South Central Kansas and Sedgwick County. I think it will be as well. It's going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, let's talk about some of the first priorities you guys have talked about the first couple meetings of the year. Well, of course, we have new leadership. That's the first thing we have to talk about. So Ryan yeah. uh, Ryan Beatty, uh, mm-hmm. second year into his commission, uh, has now become our chairman. And so Pete's now uh, – Pete Meitzner has stepped aside from that role. And uh, I was pro tem last year. I have been replaced uh, in that role for, by, by Sarah Lopez. Okay. So uh, that's probably the first big thing. I think, I think the next big thing probably is we have had uh, a couple of uh, large issues. One deals with the homeless – uh, issue here going on in Sedgwick County. We've actually worked very hard to get together a, uh, a, a plea to the governor to get some funding for some uh, basically a different way to handle the problem. Sure. Uh, right now, the, the city can't really enforce encampments. There's not beds for these folks, and it's a growing prop- population. And the problem is is very noticeable by the public. They don't like it. We, we seem to have no solutions in place. Other communities, uh, San Antonio is a great example, where they have actually put, put together some programming that actually really reduced this Problem. I would. They use the word functional zero, and I think that's a good word because there's folks that do become homeless. Yeah. But there's a path to get them out of that situation and back to something independent, off the government support, and uh, and very positive. So we're trying to replicate that here in Kansas, and so we have a bill to help fund the the, the infrastructure to make that happen here. That that was a lot of meetings late last year, and uh, uh, the governor did put forty million dollars into the budget. Now it's a bit at risk. I, you had speaker on there just a minute ago, and um, uh, I think that everybody understands. He he actually has, has been very clear to us. I think we have to work hard to keep this money in the budget. There has to be some structure about how this is going to work. And so the legislature has put us on on guard with that. We're working on on the details there still. The other big thing was just yesterday we had a huge announcement with the the mental health regional hospital will be uh, placed here in Wichita. Mm. That actually is funded. Uh, the state's putting together. Uh, Forty million dollars right away. There's other monies involved in this as well, but we have the we have the site location figured out, and that ha- that was announced just yesterday. That's been years in the, in the making to get that uh, process moving forward. So the state actually recognizes we have a mental health uh, resource deficiency, and they're beginning to address it here in our community. That is good news. Yeah. So where is the location going to be now? Um, generally speaking, it's um, M- MacArthur Street, which is in south part of the city, and and Meridian. It'll be on the west side of meridian and i believe on the you know, north side of macarthur very good very good that is exciting i know that that's been a long time in the work so uh is there a timeline on when that project's going to be completed and built yeah right now the uh the timeline is pretty tight um it should be basically uh turnkey uh, starting operations at the end of 2026 
Okay. All Seems right. pretty quick. We got it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be right around the corner. And that's, I believe, 100 beds, correct? Well, it's uh, going to have 50 beds initially, but it has space in the facility for 100 beds. And, of course, there's, there's 11 acres on the on the site. Okay. So if they need to go more than 100 beds, they can always add more beds on the site as well. But one thing about Wichita that's made it different than Osawatomie and Larnard is we have a, a good population here with professionals that can provide services. The folks that provide services in Larnard and Osawatomie a lot of them don't live there. They travel in to provide those services. And so um, one thing about Wichita, we have a good population here. We, we will find the people who can help provide these services here locally or we'll train them, which is, again, the other big announcement, of course, I'm sure you've been following along, is the bioscience facility downtown. Sure. And uh, that's that will actually be a pipeline for people who can pro- provide services at the uh, mental health facility. So yeah. really, all together, we're, we're getting a handle on uh, mental health, substance abuse, bioscience, a uh, big challenge there, and homelessness. I mean, these are all the really social issues that really drives, you know, elected officials crazy. How do you solve these things? We have a, we have a plan, and everything's moving forward, forward finally. Yeah, it's exciting. It's yeah, exciting. It we're actually seeing some of that move through. I know that we're coming out of uh, election season. We've seen some transition with... You know, some people on the city council at the, at the city level as well, especially with the new mayor. And I know that they just were up in Topeka talking about their agenda for uh, for the year as well with the legislature. Uh, but I got to ask, I mean, between county and city, you guys still working good together now with the new mayor in the city? I mean, I'm sure that that's kind of changing dynamic a little bit. I actually think things are improved. Um, Dalton Glasscock is a great person. He is easy to work with, to talk to. He's very open to hearing different ideas. And, and he's been an excellent leader so far. And he, he, he's demonstrated that in the past. I would tell you that uh, Lily Wu is a breath of fresh air. Um, I can tell you that she is very anxious to, to sit down and talk about the issues. She's open to learning, and, and she doesn't come to the table with, you know, basically she's, she's not driving. She's simply trying to see how she can help, and right. uh, that, that, is, that is absolutely refreshing. J.V. Johnston, I think, is, is going to be a great um, member of, this, of the city council as well. I think he's, again, eager, eager to learn. Um, he's uh, he's – all in, and I'll just say this: right now, our relationship probably has never been better. Good, and so I think that's a that's a good statement to make. And uh, right now, their platform and our platform are not at odds with each other. Um, so they have some things on their platform that we, uh, frankly, don't have an opinion over, and, and vice versa. But there are some things that are also joint platform issues, and, and we also also included included the, the uh, REAP organization. The, that's the Regional Area Economic Partnership, as well as the Greater Wichita Partnership and the Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce. They've also signed on to those very same uh, platform issues, and so we have a joint platform between Wichita and Sedgwick County with those other partners. And so we're very aggressive. Sedgwick County is a very aggressive uh, organization getting stuff done in, in Topeka. We know how to get stuff done. We have a great lobbyist team, uh, Jason Watkins, which you may probably yeah. know, I'm guessing, and his, his sidekick, Jessica Lucas. They do a really great job in Topeka. And so we're, we're engaged. We're running hard and getting stuff done. And, and I can tell you that uh, this is exciting times for Sedgwick County. It really is going to be. Uh, I do want to talk about election season for a moment because now that we're going to see a primary in the states that's going to be run by the Secretary of State's office instead of the actual caucus uh, by the actual party, it's going to be a little bit different. So the election commissioner, I know, has been working really hard on that one. But uh, how are things looking? Because we're just a couple months away from that. Well, because you know, tell you, the last time we had a, a, a primary, presidential preference primary. It's called a PPP. Yep. Last time we had that was April the 27th of 1992. And by the way, that was coupled with a general city city and uh, school general election. So wow. back then the turnout was pretty lousy. It was in the 40%, uh, which again, for city school election is fairly high right. because of the PPP. But generally speaking, for anything <clears throat> relates to a presidential election, you would expect it to be 60, 65, 70%. Sure. <clears throat> We're not getting anywhere near those numbers, especially 
even looking back at that April election uh, in, in 1992, um, those other races brought people in. Yeah. This election coming up is going to be March the 19th. Uh, I believe that's a Tuesday. It's a regular election. They have 15 days of early voting. <clears throat> we have mail ballots. We have a thousand pieces of election equipment have to be programmed and deployed. We have to hire hundreds of people to, to be trained on how to operate this stuff. We have the tablets to check people in. We have the signature, you know, a, a photo ID signature process to check in. We have ballot marking machines. We have tabulators. We have pre-audit. We have post-audit. We have canvassing. The whole bit. Yeah. And it's just, it, honestly, Andy, I'm frustrated because this will cost the state of Kansas five to seven million dollars. And you know why we're doing this? Because the, the Sedgwick County, excuse me, the state party, the GOP, did not have the funds to support a, a caucus. Yeah. And honestly, you know, by the way, in 2020, do we have a caucus in 2020? We do not. Yeah. No, you know why? Didn't. Yeah. Because we had a sitting president who was Republican run for re-election. Right. We don't have to have a caucus. We have a caucus uh, because we feel like it's questionable. We want to bind our delegates. And I, in, in my personal opinion is the legislature, got, I love them. They're great people. But I would rather see us not do 5 to $7 million for an election. By the way, in March 19th, that's after Super Tuesday. That We're the 28th state in, this, in, the, in the country to actually deal with this election cycle. Does anybody not think that Trump's going to be our nominee? Yeah, we essentially have him as a default the already. Yeah. We know it's going to be Biden and Trump. We know that. Yeah. We're going to spend five to seven million dollars in you know March nineteenth to figure this out in Kansas. It's it's a little silly. Yeah. So we essentially you were mentioning before we went on the year. We essentially have three elections this year. We have the presidential primary preference for right. March nineteenth. Then we have an actual primary in August, and then their general election in November. So this is a busy year, not only for the voters, but for the people that are putting on the actual elections every season. And November is going to be huge, okay? Because that's a president. That's the big. That's the grand poobah of all elections, okay? But November is going to be small because we have no U.S. senators up this time. The uh, con- Congress is the same as it always. We have a strong incumbent here in the 4th District, so there'd be no problem with uh, Ron S. getting reelected. We all know that. Yeah. Um, we have uh, – this will be a uh, – every senator and every uh, representative of the state of Kansas is up, but those don't generally draw a lot of people. Um, so the, all, all the statewide races are not up this year. The governor's not up this year. Um, so the primary is going to be fairly small. The PPP is going to be microscopic, yeah. and November is going to be ginormous. And so – it, it wreaks a little bit of havoc on the planning of these things, but here's one thing that uh, taxpayers need to know. Because of the PPP, the state's going to pay us back for the cost of the PPP. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. However, because there's three election cycles, we have to plan You know, we have to plan for a large response. You never know, but we have to plan for a large response. Our election workers have to, pay for, have to work three elections, which kicks many of them over 1,000 hours. Because oh. of a 1,000-hour rule, we have to kick in a quarter million dollars worth of benefits, things like CAPERS. For these, what would otherwise be considered temporary workers, we have to pay capers benefits on them because they're over a thousand hours. That's going to be not. That will not. We will not realize that cost until the third election cycle, which the state will not pay us back for. <laughs> so this is going to cost us a quarter million dollars. Sedgwick County citizens will from pay Sedgwick County because we have because partisan politics, because the caucuses didn't step up and do whatever they do, it's going to cost our taxpayers a quarter million dollars. Wow. I'm There's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. Ridiculous. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I know that uh, usually you go up to these Republican conventions. That's going on today. We just talked to Patrick Pan and Dan Hawkins about that issue. One. Yeah, you've never missed one. Why Why didn't you go today? Uh, just too Be- crazy? Because it's a, it's, it is a um, circus, frankly. Yeah. Uh, can I use that word? Please it's do. Not, it's not a good situation up there. Yeah. I'm happy, I'm not happy with the... Uh, with the minorities discussion that you guys talked about earlier today, that is just terrible, in my personal opinion. And um, why? Why do you think? What's the argument behind it? I don't understand. Well, they say they want to be uh, like the RNC. Okay, they don't recognize special groups at the RNC. Other 
other levels of. Uh, uh, but we're not a national organization. We're a state organization right. trying to appeal to demographics that normally don't vote Republican. You'd think you'd want their input on how to reach that demographic by having them on the committees to give their input. I don't you mean, understand you, this. You made a very good statement earlier about you know Hispanics. <clears throat> Hispanics in our community are generally very conservative. They're very, very religious. Yeah. They're very pro-family. They're actually very conservative and. And if they're here, they're here. They own they own businesses and homes. They pay their taxes. They're good people. I'm on the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. You mean I'm a, not just I'm a member. I'm actually on the sure. board of directors. Wow. Um, I'm also a member of the uh, the, the uh, Sedgwick County Black um, uh, Republican Caucus uh, Council. I said that wrong, but yeah. I'm a member of that organization as well. <clears throat> Why am I doing that? I'm not black. I'm not Hispanic. I love these folks. I want to encourage them any way I possibly can. Yeah. They're good people. And honestly, if we would just embrace the culture and bring them in and welcome them in. They would actually support our platform. We actually think the same things. Yeah. We want the same things. And the reality is we need to value each other. There's a history that, goes back decades having these folks part of our party. And to destroy that now is just, it doesn't make it's any just sense. needless. It doesn't make any sense. I've said many times. So we have our Spanish radio station two, two, two rooms away from me right, right. now. And Congressman Estes has been running ads on there about, you know, how his office can help them, you know, with certain issues. And the response that they get is absolutely unbelievable. The calls that they get in the studio of saying, are Republican elected officials actually reaching out to us, actually running ads on the Spanish station in Spanish, reaching out to our community is amazing. Thank you for allowing that to happen. Like it's the response is unbelievable. When we lost our FM, because that's now 102.5 is La Raza, our Spanish station. The first three callers that I got wondering where it went were Hispanic listeners listening to Dan Bongino on KQAM when they're like, wait a second, the Spanish music just popped on here. What's going on? Like, they are wanting us to reach out. And for this mindset, for the state Republican Party to say, no, we don't want your input on the committees because, you know, we don't we don't want to do this for whatever reason, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. We have a prime opportunity with how angering that Joe Biden has made minority communities for the Democrat Party. We could suck them up and win them over so easily right now. And it seems like we're shooting our own selves in the foot right now at the, at the state level. Well, there's a lot of misunderstanding about, you know, you know, what are we doing at the southern border? And, you know, do Democrats have a... <clears throat> Is there, excuse me, Yeah. <clears throat> is there some kind of a, a reason why they're bringing in these people across the border? You know, maybe there is. But at the end of the day, if you um, remove that issue from the from the table, look at everything else, um, these folks want the same things that we want. The reason they're coming here is they want they want to work hard and, and pay their taxes and live in a place that's just not threatening to them and their families. I, I have a, a dear friend who's Hispanic. He talks about he has to, when he's down in Mexico, he has to pay the cartel to to have the right to be a business yeah. and you have to pay them ransom essentially and the, the people who are elected so they're going to they're clean this up if they're elected to that position their lives are in danger they'll take them out i mean there's a real problem of crime down there and uh at the end of the day they want to come up. here because they, they like the they like this the rule of they like the rule of law yeah. they like they like uh, you know uh, a community you have to worry about you know worry about someone threatening you every single every single day yeah so these folks want the same things that you and I want, Andy. In the end of the day, every one of these folks I've known, I know, I know a lot of them. They're they're on the conservative side of the center point. They really are. Yeah. They're center right. They really are, yeah. And we just have to win them over. We're talking with Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell. Let's take a break here real quick. But before we take a break here, we'll talk some more about some county issues in a minute. I want to get you registered, an opportunity for you to win yourself a coach purse for Valentine's. Maybe you want it for yourself. Maybe you want to get it to that special someone for Valentine's Day as well. Let's get you registered right now. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. Let's get you registered for KQAM's Pick a Purse. You can stop by Heartland Bicycle. You can stop by Jewelry Savers and get registered as well. 
or you can just call in right now and we'll get you registered with our partners at Jewelry Savers and Heartland Bicycle. Right here, 316-721-8255. It's KQAM's Pick a Purse for your sweet Valentine's Day gift. Stay right here on KQAM. Welcome back into it. Just a few minutes left here of the program. We have our register. So if you didn't get it, don't worry. We'll get you registered again next time. Make sure to tune in to Wake Up Wichita with Tracy Cassidy every morning from 6 to 8 a.m. She will get you registered every day throughout the next week here as well. And keep you posted as that pick a purse promotion with KQAM, Jewelry Savers, Heartland Bicycle. School. If you did not get registered with me or with Tracy, don't worry. You can swing by either one of those locations and put your name in the Dropbox and get registered that way as well. We will be calling you, and the top 10 drawees will be able to show up at Jewelry Savers on February 10th and pick one of 10 Coach Purses. Great partnership with us here on KQM. We're hanging out with Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell. we got a few minutes left here already, Jim. It goes by way too fast. But, I know. Uh, it's, while we talk about some of the issues at the state level, I'm glad that we're seeing things happen here at the local level in the county. It's going to be a, ma- a crazy election cycle, but we are adding like 20 new precinct areas, aren't we? Some voting locations? They, they are, That's really great, actually. And that's in lieu of sending out a pre-filled out ballot, uh, mm. a- ballot application uh, that they've been done for a number of years. I've been against that process for really for the last decade. I've been trying to stop it. And uh, they said, well, we have to have that because we don't have enough ba- polling locations and the lines will be too long. Fine, let's fix that. So right. we finally are doing that. And actually, it's less expensive um, to send out that application. It takes around $100,000. And believe it or not, we can put out 20 more twenty more polling sites for like $20,000. So Interesting. It's, really, yeah. it's actually better for everyone. Yeah, it really is. And it's going to be able to allow people to go without some crazy waiting lines and crazy waiting times and it's all. I think it's going to run pretty smoothly. I'm excited about this year. I'm curious to see how it's all going to play out. And in this PPP, if people do want to vote, um, they don't go to their, their assigned polling spot on election day. They'll have to vote provisionally. Mm. But at least they'll figure out they may have, maybe have a new new polling site. So watch the mail. If you get a new polling site assigned to you, you'll get a little card in the mail letting you know that. Yeah. Now, if you are, uh, and this is just for the general information for the for some of the listeners, if you even though it is a primary this year as opposed to a caucus, if you are registered independent or Unidentified, are you able to choose which ballot, or do we have a closed caucus or closed primary in the state? So it is closed for both the Republicans and Democrats, but the word is unaffiliated. If you're not affiliated with a, with a major party, Republicans or Democrats, there's only two. There's only two you can vote for. You yeah. can affiliate at the poll site uh, to become a Republican or Democrat as long as you're unaffiliated. But you can't change sure. parties. You, you can't, can't go from parties. a D to an R. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if you're already a D and you want to do that, you have to become unaffiliated or become a Republican. Yeah. There's a deadline to do that. There's a deadline to do yeah. that. Very good. It's good to know. Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell, we're out of time, my friend. we got so much more to talk about. I, uh, 30 minutes is not enough. Andy. No, we're going to have to do We're going to do a lot more here real right. soon. So All I right. love it. It's good to talk to you, though. Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you. You're doing a great job, man. Yeah, appreciate it. we got a lot of good stuff that we'll talk about soon. It's Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell. We will get him back on again soon to talk about some more county issues because there is so much more to talk about. But we're out of time. Enjoy the weekend. Stay stay close and pay attention to what's going on at this state Republican convention. We'll recap that next week on the program, along with some other legislative issues. We'll see if we can get those numbers to override the governor's veto after that tax bill from yesterday. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. Tune in to us again next weekend, 9 to 11, here on Kansas Talk, the voice of reason, weekdays at 4 p.m. in our syndicated national show, broadcasting on both KIUL and KQAM Sunday at 5 p.m. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio.